Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the snoozing mermaid stained glass of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who will be checking our taps for spies from now on. Um, tap tapping? <laughs> I think it's tap tapping. Anyway, my name is Sarah. I'm joined as always by my co-hosts BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing? I would take a lot more baths if the options available in this bath... Is it, are, is the bath there that's essentially a massive pool there because it's a bath room? Like, I don't, I, <laughs> but it's I would definitely spot. take a lot more if, if the, the, uh, what comes out of the taps was available on a more regular basis. Including Moaning Myrtle. <laughs> I mean, that, that might get a little weird. A little. Um, so we are on chapter 25 of the fourth book of Harry Potter. The egg, the egg and, the, and eye. the eye. And we have some segments that we do here. We have a rapid fire recap. We have BJ's wizard wheezes, newbie's notes with Spencer. We award house points. And then there are questions and queries and qualms and quibbles. And um, we may... Quarrels sometimes. Quarrel occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anything we need to talk about before we get going? Sarah, you've been on a great run lately in terms of making up lost points uh, and getting accurate predictions in your time. Are you feeling confident this time around, too? Um, You're just coming off a vacation. You're off your game. When am I ever feeling confident about this, Spencer? (laughs) It just happens or it doesn't, really. But I will... Why not? I will place a bet. Um, And I will bet... This is a... I, I mean, a relatively straightforward chapter, I suppose. There are really only mm-hmm. two scenes that we're dealing with. Um, so I'm going to place my bet at one minute and 54 seconds. It's very precise. Okay. The time is written down. The stopwatch is ready. Okay. Are you? I can see it. Thank you, Spencer. <laughs> there we go. In the middle of the night, Harry takes the egg, invisibility cloak, and the marauder's map, and Ron helps him get out without tipping off the fat lady. The prefect's bathroom is more or less a swimming pool with suds options, and Harry gleefully paddles about a bit before turning his attention to the egg. He opens it, and it still screams. A voice suggests putting it in the water, moaning Myrtle, who apparently spends a good amount of her time spying on people in the bath. She's also upset that Harry hasn't been to see her for two books. When Harry gets the egg in the water and opens it, voila, a secret message. Something underwater will take something important and they'll have an hour to look for it. Harry can't figure out who the we of the rhyme is. After some hints from Myrtle and catching sight of the stained glass in the bathroom, Harry realizes people in the lake. But Harry doesn't swim very well and has no idea how to breathe underwater, a remark that offends Myrtle and sends her off on a tangent that Harry ignores. Harry takes off back to the common room, but on the map, he notices that Bartimus Crouch is prowling around Snape's office. He can't help himself. He goes to look, but he's so distracted that he gets caught in the trick stare and sends the egg and the map flying. He's kept the invisibility cloak, but the egg is making a racket, which brings Filch, who is delighted that Peeves might have stolen the egg. Snape shows up and wants Filch to search for the intruder, and Harry tries to will them away. And then who turns up on the scene but Moody, whose magical eye can see through Harry's cloak, but he doesn't give him away. Instead, he's interested in who might have broken into Snape's office. Snape knows that Moody's already searched it, and Moody doesn't pretend otherwise. In fact, he has some cryptic things to say about Snape's past. He's about to give Snape the drop map when, seeing Harry's panic, he takes it back 
back, but Snape's already connected the map and the egg and suspects Harry. Moody deflects and when they're alone helps Harry out of the step and then questions him about the map and who he saw break in, breaking into Snape's office. Harry tells him it was Mr. Crouch. Moody admits to Harry that Crouch is obsessed with catching dark wizards and Moody is very clear that it, the thing he hates most is a dark wizard who went free. Moody wants to borrow the map and Harry lets him. They walk back to the Gryffindor common room and Moody suggests Harry might consider a career as an Auror and is pleased that Harry's been working on the egg. Harry goes to bed concerned about Crouch, but also sort of proud that Moody thinks he could be an Auror. Right on time. Impressive. Perfectly done. 156. Thank you. Um, yeah, so this is a, it feels like a little bit of a like transition chapter um, as we get closer to the second task. Um, mm -hmm. Although at least Harry has done something. Finally. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> the, the very least of all of the things he could do. Um, so, BJ, what are you wheezing about? Um, I have a couple of things. I have some sentences. We have another comma sentence, which uh, I find interesting. And then we have probably the most J.K. Rowling sentence paragraph that I have come across as to yet. Um, and it made me very excited. <laughs> um, but we will start with the comma sentence. Um, and Sarah, I just... I want you to know that these things exist in your life as somebody with a PhD in English. Okay. All right. The, invisi the invisibility cloak would, comma, of course, comma, be a central, comma, and as an added precaution, comma, Harry thought he would take the mara Marauder's Map, comma, which, comma, next to the cloak, comma, was the most useful aid to rule-breaking Harry owned. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I just want you to know that that's a thing in the world that, that you have to contend with. I'm going to start to believe that J.K. Rowling's commas are really markers for um, the sort of circular breathing and where you're supposed to be. <laughs> you know, every now and then with certain actors, you need to give them stage directions to breathe. Otherwise, they just faint and they die. It's horrible. Yeah, it, it, it's very problematic. So uh, shortly after... Um, Moody snatches the parchment back. Um, we have this great sentence paragraph that has all of the things. Um, it is, Snape stretched out his hands like a blind man and began to move up the stairs, semicolon. Harry could have sworn his over-large nostrils were dilating, comma, trying to sniff out Harry, trying to sniff Harry out, m-trapped, comma, Harry leaned backward, comma, trying to avoid Snape's fingertips, comma, but any moment now, M-dash. <laughs> Not only does it have all sorts of punctuation in all sorts of places, mm -hmm. we have, again, her obsession with noses. <laughs> because for some reason, Snape has overly large nostrils. Mm -hmm. I don't think mm -hmm. that we have gotten the specifics of nostrils before in any of these descriptions. <laughs> We're improving new. On, 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 you know, the details of what makes a nose hyper-attractive and overly large nostrils are very problematic. Sure. It clearly needs to be straight. Um, nos large nostrils might be fine because these are overly large. Fair. Um, we, we will narrow it down, hopefully, uh, by book seven, I think it is. We will have the, the ideal and perfect nose to set us on our way to, to the... Uh, most attractive character in the Harry Potter universe. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but of all the things, I think that's uh, all my my wheezes. Um, and it made me very happy that my wheezes were self-contained into one paragraph. You had very efficient wheezes this time. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> Not always the case, no. but for this one. Spencer. Uh, upon Googling this, there's apparently a Reddit thread of where someone was counting the total mention of noses and nostrils in the various Harry Potter books. <laughs> What's this, you, BJ? Have fr- you done this? <laughs> well, I haven't gotten through all of them. Uh, just to offer an example, apparently in the first book alone, there are 49 mentions of noses or nostrils. Also, Spencer, be does careful it, what you're Googling in the world. I, I'm not on my work computer. This will, will not be blowback on this. <laughs> Nor do I hope that nose-related spoilers are going to be that key to the overarching series. But Listen. I was going to say, I bet that there's a significant uptick at some point because of noses. Mm. But we will see. Well, for newbies' notes, uh, one thing that continues to amuse me is that the only thing that Harry plans is rule-breaking. <laughs> no other aspect of his life has anything other than back-of-a-napkin description of what the hell they're going to do, but rule-breaking, the man takes steps. He is... Well, the man takes steps for things that other people have already figured out for him, and it's like, okay, that thing that somebody helped me out with before, I need to do that again. It... It puts me in the mind that he's very much his father's son, and that amuses me that apparently rule-breaking is generational. Uh, I will say that a good quality bathroom that verges on a spa is a rare pleasure and feels like a luxury, but dear God, the gaudy ostentation and excess of this place. I mean, this is the prefect's private bathroom. There aren't that many prefects, right? No, there are two for each house. Dear God, this thing could, you know accommodate an army from the size they're describing of this there are so, 25 separate taps didn't they say i i was worried about they, i was worried about number. time in my recap but this is the sort of like mar-a-lago of bathrooms right like <laughs> it's gold and jewel encrusted there's a full-on swimming pool there are towels that are just magically animated there um or- also interestingly this is like the a very interesting thing to have um, in a world where prefects are, it, it's an egalitarian position. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you have this sort of opulent spa where, where Harry has at least decided to go in the buff, it seems. Um, it, if they don't want to have uh, wizardlings early on, this seems like a very bad thing to have in the school. Yeah, you do. Ha- each house does get one male and one female prefect every year, so... I don't know. They are setting up certain scenes from Blue Lagoon if they've got this oh. just constantly going right here. So was Percy's girlfriend the prefect from Ravenclaw? Uh-huh. Well, that makes a hell of a lot more sense. But mm-hmm. unclear why they then had to like go snog in a classroom. They could have just gone to this really you've nice got, bathroom. You've got this you, place. You've got to mix it up sometimes. <laughs> you got to spice things up. I mean, when you, when you have like the most opulent thing that you, you can always go to. You, know, you go slum it for a while. <laughs> Exactly. God, they're doing it Victorian style at that point. Uh, I mean, I'm going to remind everybody that this is an institution that relies on literal slave labor. They can't afford to pay for the majority of the actual help on site, but they've got this kind of place run and maintained for a grand total of eight people. I hope that Harry does doesn't tell Hermione anything about this bathroom. Uh, she, she's taken a torch and some gasoline if she finds out that this is a thing. Um... It's really fun to have Myrtle just reappear to save the day because, man, Harry was on nothing resembling the right thought process of resolving this situation. I mean, Cedric basically told him exactly what to do. Almost to the word. And Harry's just like, I'm in here. Clearly it's a prank. The egg's just sitting outside the water and nothing's happening. And I'm swimming. I'm swimming and the egg is somewhere. (laughs) 
So Myrtle just showing up and literally, I think it's at one point she even says, you're slow, aren't you? <laughs> She's trying to help him through this plot. And then all then also is like, well, you're surprisingly faster than Cedric, which was like a very weird, like, yes, when you lead somebody by the hand to the destination, yeah. they get there a little <laughs> bit quicker than if they have to find it themselves Shocking. sometimes. Yeah. And maybe Harry Potter was a little unexpected in the, if you push him to the exact spot that he needs to be, he gets there. Unclear. Yeah, yeah, this this isn't this isn't you know a condemnation of Cedric in any way. This man solved a pretty impressive riddle entirely solo with no one helping him. Meanwhile, Unclear. here it's we've not heard any indication anybody else helped him, and certainly Myrtle apparently didn't, from what, yes. at least from her description. So that's it, like impressive. What Harry's doing is failing to respond to not even context clues, not even Socratic guiding, but people directly telling him. This is the solution. You understand that, right? And Harry needing about three re- reiterations of that to get to that point. Also him him saying, yes, I 100% understand. I have this taken care of. Arrested development and, moment. He didn't. And then, you know, a little bit on the nose, he was out of his depth. Oh, uh, God. Yes, okay. Thank you. Uh, it also reminded me how, just what a kind of tragic figure Myrtle is, is that being a ghost particularly a ghost that is, you know, antisocial and lonely, really appears to suck. Like, she's apparently only really bonded with three people over the last entire, what, three years? Mm -hmm. Two years since we last seen her? And they haven't made any effort to hang out with her, and so she's had no one else. She's literally gotten... Relegated to the bathrooms? She probably could Or is that, like, her preferred spot it's a little unclear it seems like she can kind of travel wherever the water goes because she does end up in the lake sometimes yeah she gets so people she has so few, little of a connection to the people she gets flushed down the toilet when they don't notice she's there it's a rough road so it was actually nice to see added some changes to her character well chat changes necessarily but expansions to her characterization that she's also a bit of a peeping tom and that she can be mm-hmm. surprised okay a little bit <laughs> I'm going. I'm going British understatement here. Uh, okay. She, she also, when when she has a bit of a captive audience, can kind of get rather cheerful and playful. It's one of the things that if people actually hung out with her, she seems like she'd actually be a kind of a fun person. She's just really damn lonely and sad about that fact. Um, I mean, we po- need we need a Peeves versus a Myrtle showdown at some point. <laughs> uh, we do get a really intimidating poem that's mm-hmm. sung out of this thing or come seek us where our voices sound we cannot sing above the ground and while you're searching ponder this we've taken what you'll sorely miss an hour long you'll have to look and to recover what we took but past an hour the prospect's black too late it's gone it won't come back that's almost haunting in its simplicity mm-hmm. uh because this is a wizarding world they could have taken his. They, I was going to say about Harry's mom. Sorry. That's oh not boy. <laughs> Some they could have taken someone else's loved one, and if they're playing true on this, gone forever, dead. I mean, for Harry, I'm guessing they're taking his broom or some shit or something he actually cares about because it's not people. Um, but Harry's, as usual, is just so flippant in the face of danger when he's got this kind of just darkly intimidating line coming off the or sung out by this magical artifact he's just like ah oh, merpeople oh they might take something I care about oh, I should think about that later oh anyway what's for lunch and just I goes Harry, on with his like, day embodies ignorance in place <laughs> yeah. coasting through life 
Um, but it's, it's be really interesting to see how that plays out. Because he, he immediately assumes that it's mer people behind this, which I felt like was just entirely unnecessary addition to this question. <laughs> it seems like the more important thing is where it's going to be, which he did tease out that one, and what's under threat. Those are the main details, but man, this guy wants to know about mer people mm -hmm. now entirely. Like, I, you kind of read that in, but sure, maybe, okay. Uh, again, Myrtle calling him out for being slow is lovely. More people need to do that. Uh, and then I... Finally, the Marauder's Map returns, which, again, I really want Harry to just staple this to some object that's always with him. Maybe his hand <laughs> or the side of his damn head. So, it's a very essential tool that he apparently just leaves locked in a drawer somewhere. Also appreciate that Moody was just like, oh, this is hilariously powerful and useful. You're an idiot. Can I have it? <laughs> I love that scene of where, you know, Mer Moody's got the magical eye that detects magical things. And that thing is just straight shorting out as it's staring mm -hmm. at this thing that Harry just keeps around with him. So the fact that Moody both just kind of freaks out about, oh dear lord, what the hell is this? And almost plaintively says, can I keep it? Can I, can I, can I, can I borrow this? This is like really essential to my job. I would be nowhere near as harmed if I'd had something like this. Yeah, it's like the, somebody tasked with tracking people down, having a map that tells you where everybody is somewhere at a given moment. Kind of useful. Could be helpful. Uh, yeah, yeah, particularly here when apparently Barty Crouch is just around. Crouch is roaming the halls of Hogwarts, particularly Snape's office, apparently. Yeah, and, and need we remind people that Barty Crouch is supposed to be sick. He hasn't been seen for weeks. He's not coming into work. But also we get an interesting uh, little tidbit from from Moody, mm -hmm. which was I don't know. I've it's it's essentially he's fascinated by the idea that Crouch is there and wants to make really sure that it's true because apparently it catches him off guard. And the fact mm -hmm. that Crouch was there in Snape's office immediately sends him down the thought of you think I hate dark wizards? You think I've dedicated my life to the eradication of them and their order? You have no idea what level of malevolence or hatred Party Crouch carries for mm -hmm. them. Which is just like a really interesting take given like what we've had so far. It, we, we, Party Crouch was one of the ones that clearly was set on tilt once we had the whole Dark Wizards appear moment back at the tournament. And the dark mark right. in the sky, and, yeah. And um, he has a... Remind me, didn't we learn something about him having like a family history or something of them too? Um... I think so. I mean, there was something said. I can't remember who said it, but earlier in the book, there was a um, like a brief remark about Barty Crouch's history with the with dark wizards. Remember there being something about that he just has a real personal reason for hating them. I just don't remember what it, what it mm -hmm. was. I don't think we know yeah. at this point. Gotcha. Um, so all that's interesting and weird and is just left hanging there, which is lovely. I, I appreciate the on the nose foreshadowing that goes into this book of. This is important. Remember this for later. But it's still fun they do that and, tr and increasingly are trusting us. I'm going to leave you details that build over the course of the books and they'll get more obvious as time come. But right. I'm going to trust you to just carry on through until the resolution. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. It's fun. also really funny that Dumbledore is kind of the only one that's like, Snape's not evil. And everybody else is like, Snape's 100% evil. <laughs> yeah, and... and it appears that it's not just, like, evil. It's like, Moody essentially accuses him of bearing the mark of Cain. Mm -hmm. It's that, oh, some people, they've got a mark, a mark that won't go away. And Snape, like, grabs above his heart as if it's something literally still seared into his soul. It's like, what is this? Is there actually some kind of, you know, 
the mark of dark wizards that's on them or like embedded in them or has some kind of lingering magical effect on them? Do we know that was a thing? Uh, also, how about you go to bed? They interact for a while and Snape is like, all right, I think I should go to bed. <laughs> it's a funny series of conversations that happened there. I, for one, I love Filch and Snape just completely tossed, talking past each other about what the crime yes. is. Mm-hmm. For they've both caught legitimate crimes. If they compared notes, they might be able to do something. But they're such prideful, self-focused bastards that neither of them can degrade themselves to actually listen to another person when their own personal pride has been rankled. <laughs> yeah, and also, inter- like, I wonder if there's something going on with Moody because, like, maybe he's just a powerful enough wizard, but like, he tells people to do stuff and they don't want to do it, and then like thirty seconds later, they're like, "Okay, I will do that." <laughs> yeah, something's either up with Moody. He either has his own like R related or whatever purposes for being here because he's clearly like extra on guard which i suppose may be on cue the man shot up a bunch of dustbins at one point but has there ever been a more ju- effective introduction to a character than <laughs> moody blasting that- dustbins in the middle of the night <laughs> once that happens we assume everything is on page anything could happen when it comes to this guy but he was really there quick like is his office, like, next door or something, and does he sleep in it? Because that man was out fully dressed and ready for battle in seconds when people were talking at a somewhat elevated tone. I was going to say, like, kind of like uh, Slim Pickens, I just imagined that he's just always ready. In and, and, like, it's his thing. You know, he's not dressing up to play a cowboy. He's a cowboy, and he's camping out by the campfire. Like, he's, like, hanging out in his office with all his horror gear, and he probably takes some of it off to go, like, wander the halls so he doesn't scare the crap out of all the students. Well, like like certain writers, directors of Doctor Strange Love, I'm not necessarily on point for that. I know that that's what is necessarily happening, but it's certainly possible. <laughs> um, it's interesting also that Moody hones in on Snape hiding something. It's like, oh, he was in your office. Thought he was in your office? Oh, you're saying it was just students looking for stuff? Or were they looking for something in particular? And Snape who's apparently not a great liar, just blanches and shuts up. It's like, okay, Snape does have something in his office. Mental note for later. What could that be? Why is Moody interested in it? Why is Snape looking to hide it? Why is Snape particularly looking to hide it from Moody? Don't know. Mental note for later. Um, it's also, I love that Snape, Snape's a clever guy, but he's an outright genius of when it's deducing that, that Harry Potter did something. Is that... He's legitimately confused for a little bit. Then he just kind of glances at the Marauder's map and everything goes together for him. The mystery is solved. Harry Potter's doing some shit. We also don't know that, like, off page, he just does that, like, a a thousand (laughs) times. And the only on-page times, you know, he'll forget, you know, his his lesson plan in his office or something. He's like, Harry Potter! (laughs) And the coffee stir is somewhat shorter. <laughs> very possible we don't get to see that though uh, it's I'm curious to know whether Moody actually assumes that Snape is directly behind everything that's happened to Harry or if he's just using that as a means to shut him up and get him to exit stage left if it's the latter it certainly works but Moody seems so damn paranoid about anybody who's had even a vague connection to dark wizards it's possible that he assumes that Snape's behind it as well mm-hmm. uh Let's see, we talked about Moody just freaking out of the Marauder's map, which was so cute. Uh, talked about Moody and Crouch. Um, then we have Moody just recommend to Harry that he should be an Auror. Which, I suppose, sure. 
I mean, I, I picture him kind of dying on his second mission, but, you know, I think he'd enjoy doing it. So Well, we do have, and I mean, Moody is now in this position. Like, we do have a lot of evidence that Harry is actually good at defense against the dark arts. This is true. And it appears to have been his favorite subject while he's been at school, and he actually is decently talented at it, particularly with Patronus-related abilities. So he's got hopes. Mm-hmm. It's just you know, maybe take him a couple lessons on the importance of planning beyond just simply, you know, shenanigans. I mean, I think he would also be the shoot first, shoot again, have somebody else ask questions because I can't think of any kind of art. I mean, need we need we go back to Moody and the dustbins? <laughs> <laughs> and so Moody's like, I think you could take over pretty well for me. I like your style. Kid. It's perfect. <laughs> What's my training? I'm going to sit you down to watch Dirty Harry films for the next three hours. Good enough. We actually we actually educated muggles on exactly that subject. Uh, that's actually it for me, other than a few questions. But before we get there, Sarah, we didn't have many characters this time around, but who won and who lost house points? I actually have um, very a very clear winner and loser um, of this chapter. I will be interested to know if you agree with me. Um, I mean, certainly among our small cast of characters, there are... There are various winners and losers uh, to different degrees, but mm-hmm. I would say uh, we have two clear characters in this chapter who we do not see very frequently, who played major starring roles of the chapter, one of whom won and one of whom lost the chapter. Uh, clear winner, I think, Moaning Myrtle, had a great day. Particularly compared to her base average. Yes. Um, She got to spy on people in the bathroom. She got to spy particularly on Harry in the bathroom. She had a very long conversation with him, whether or not he was paying attention to half of it or not, (laughs) Um, which means that she got to relive all of her grievances uh, towards the people around her in her life and immediate afterlife. And um, she also got to make fun of Harry for not being able to solve a thing that was objectively easy to solve. (laughs) So that was great. I think those are all positive things for her. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, I think how good her day is just is embodied by the fact that this is the, one of the few moments we've ever seen her cheerful. Yes. And, okay, that that is a hell of a lift compared to where she usually mm-hmm. is. I was going to say, like, I think runner-up Mad-Eye Moody had a, a really good day, but, you know, a, you know, Myrtle has to get it for yes. this chapter. Moody spends every other chapter talking, sh- talking shit to former Dark Wizards. The man runs on good days, if that's how we're <laughs> defining it. <laughs> He, and he got a new, powerful, very powerful artifact. He did. True. Snape in his pace, place. I mean, like, all things that he likes doing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that the only thing to take away from Moaning Myrtle is I don't know that Harry Potter is going to remember her as soon as he leaves the bathroom. Oh. Um, that's Maybe. fair, but I don't think that she'll know that. <laughs> and right. she did extract a half-hearted promise from him to try to visit her. So... Yeah. Meanwhile, with how much she was leering at Harry, I imagine she's going to go back to her toilet and put on a little ghost by the white stripes just on constant, <laughs> constant repeat. <laughs> um, is there any chance in hell that Harry actually becomes a prefect and can use this bathroom again? What do you think? No. 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 <laughs> so it'll have to be the girls' bathroom. It's one of those things of where if Dumbledore selects Harry to be prefect, the student body and teachers just full-on revolt, because the system has obviously become biased and unfair in a way that can never be repaired. They already know that it is, but this would be a little too visible. <laughs> this would be unfair in a way that they can't tolerate. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. um, well, prefects are chosen in their fifth year, so I guess you only have to wait until the next book. 
based on your lead-in, I strongly suspect who you're going to pick for loser, but do please tell us. Um, well, uh, you know, to be fair, Snape had a rough interaction <laughs> this evening, but I think that we have to, have to go with Filch. Yeah. He was so excited yeah. about getting Peeves. He got everything he wanted. He got every bit of evidence he needs to just finally punish someone in a way they can't take back, and it just got pulled away from him. Yes, me. from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. Um, mm-hmm. Not not great for poor Filch. Well, and yes. also, Man, it, it, it is a pet peeve. Oh, God. And if, and if Snape had actually unmasked Harry, too, for Filch, that's like double prizes at the crane game mm-hmm. kind of thing. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah, either of those options would have been excellent for Filch. However, he was sent away by like b- both Snape and Moody. Mm-hmm. Not not great on the sort of hierarchy here. He's like, all right, you squib, get out of here. Oh boy. <laughs> um, all right. So, questions. Practical question. Um, We've been told before that it's actually really hard to get into Hogwarts without permission. Uh-huh. Almost like, you know, vampire style of where they need per- people need permission to get mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. But Crouch is on grounds. Does he have standing permission as a member of the ministry? Or is this another factor that makes this all kind of odd? Mm, that's a good question. I think it gets a little bit complicated because he is a judge for the tri- Triwizard Tournament. So I wonder if... He was already on the ground. He was, yeah, or if he is kind of able, if there's sort of some, some sort of agree- agreement with Dumbledore and the judges, perhaps, to like be able to come and go, to monitor what's going on, to um, kind of check in on the tasks, et cetera, et cetera. Make sure that nobody's mm-hmm. cheating. But it's still like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it still does, I think, from. Moody's reaction here, it still does seem like it's odd mm-hmm. that he's here. Now, whether that's because, you know, Barty Crouch hasn't been seen for weeks and nobody know, knew where he was, or just the fact of him being at Hogwarts, who knows? Probably a little bit of a lot of different columns at play there. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is certainly shocked. It would have been interesting to, if Snape had seen that Barty Crouch was there, what kind of reaction we would have gotten. What's also interesting, too, is that, again, this guy's a very senior minister. He's got a lot of authority, probably his investigative authority, and he's, as you noted, he's a judge. He could just be on grounds. So the fact that he's being sneaky about it is also interesting, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This man could just flash a badge and get in there or just kick in a door on official ministry business, but he's But it's unclear what his authority at Hogwarts is. I mean, because kind of the only person that has authority... Seems to be Dumbledore. And Dumbledore is not super so. keen on the ministry, period. Yeah. Wield, wielding authority on his grounds. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it could... He could honestly just be trying to avoid Dumbledore, in addition to Snape. BJ? So, why is Peeves allowed to be on campus? Why, why is Peeves? <laughs> um, it just seems like, you know... I never really considered that Peeves is there by the grace of Dumbledore, it seems. No, like 100% the answer to this is Dumbledore finds him funny. Yeah. (laughs) This is the reason anything happens on grounds is because Dumbledore is amused. Yeah, like there is not a a better or more satisfying answer than that. And I don't know why you would need one. (laughs) 
I mean, like, so I guess it's Dumbledore doesn't seem to be super happy with things that harm students on a regular basis. Eh, eh, sort of. Eh. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess never it's really fine, harmed like, students. Eh. <laughs> he just causes I mean, this trouble. Is like, this is like the you know the Saw series saying he doesn't kill anybody. He just sets them in situations where they could die. <laughs> Does Dumbledore literally smack students? No. Does he consistently devise scenarios where harm is almost inevitable? Yes! Sure. <laughs> it's, uh, what's the opposite of the Montessori method? <laughs> Whatever Dumbledore's doing. The Dumbledore yeah. method. Um, okay, here's one. When it comes to, well, here. Snape's reaction to Moody talking about, you know, you bear this mark or whatever mm-hmm. else is it a spoiler to tell me whether literally dark wizards or followers of Voldemort actually have either a physical or magical or metaphysical mark on them as a result of their prior sworn state so i i mean i think that i can tell you i won't tell you anything really about it but i will point you back to one of the like weird little vignettes that we got in the garden at the yule ball when snape and karkaroff are talking to each other and Karkaroff okay. is pointing to something on his arm. I remember that now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so his is on his arm. Snape's maybe right above his heart, kind of. Thing. I think. I think we get in this chapter that Snape... Snape grabs his arm. Yeah. Was, it, was his arm? I think. I think it was. I think it was. I think, it was I his think arm. he might have held his arm up to yeah. his chest. Ah. Right. Um, but I think the implication is that he was actually holding his arm. I think you're right. Now that now I'm thinking about it, but I'm just curious to see the description again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to see if I can I mean, find the, it, it seems like, it, you know, if you had short-sleeved robes, finding out dark wizards might be a hell of a lot easier. I mean, it's a good thing that, that they're in the UK as opposed to, uh, like, Australia. Yeah, I was going to say something. the summer robes are really difficult yeah. for. Yeah. Yes. Snape suddenly did something very strange. He seized his left forearm convulsively with his right hand as though something on it had hurt mm-hmm. him. That, yeah, that's very mark. That's very mark of candy kind of yeah. thing. Um, I mean, very clearly they can't like push up the sleeves of their robe to get a little bit more, uh, you know, arm movement or whatever. I think we get McGonagall, or maybe it's Sprout rolling up the sleeves of her robe at some point to like do something in the greenhouses. But yeah, I don't think anyone's under the impression that Professor Sprout was a dark wizard at any point. <laughs> that would be a hell of a reveal. <laughs> So, you know, is that why Snape never actually does any potion work out, out and about? Because, uh, you know, otherwise his robes would catch on flames because everybody else is, like, rolling up their sleeves uh-huh. and, and practicing uh, good lab practice. And, and he's just like, well, if I do that, they'll clearly see my mark. Maybe he gets those, like, um, oh, those things that poker dealers used to wear over their sleeves to hold them down so that they oh. couldn't... <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's what I'm gonna go with. I think. Well, BJ, I got, I've got one more. Do you got any others? Uh, no, go for it. Uh, Sarah, it would be too much of a spoiler to tell us how auras are actually created, um, or hired, or retained, or whatever else. Is there an official process here, or is it very much just you're an aura now, Harry? <laughs> uh, there is a little bit of an official process, and we do learn more about it. So I will not answer that question. I, I, in browsing briefly through the titles of other books, it appears that the subject may come yes. up. Yes. 
Okay, well, that's it for me. Uh, what is our next chapter in name? I remember just the, the, the picture at the front of it was appalling. <laughs> it was interesting, so, shall we say. Uh, it was very squiddy. Our, um, our uh, next chapter is the second task. We are back is. in the descriptive chapter names. Um, it, it is sort of the opposite of a beholder. So it is not all eyes, it is all tentacles. <laughs> that looks like a rat king of worms right oh there. Boy. Um, it, it is the most profitable calamari that you could ever wish for. Oh boy, oh. and this is a real long chapter again. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that. How long is this chapter is, actually? Just so oh, can, I'm, I'm so it excited is 20, to 20, see what the recap is going to be on the pages. second task. <laughs> a 29-page monstrosity of a chapter. Oh boy. <laughs> Okay, well... Best of luck, Sarah. We believe in you. All right. I wish I hadn't looked at that, but I will tell you for the next week that I have made progress on the second task, when in fact I have not, and I will leave my notes to the last minute. At at the very least, we can say that BJ is thoroughly looking forward to the next chapter. Um, And, you know, maybe a calming bath with a uh, creepy ghost could help you out to figure out how to summarize the next chapter. I have no idea what that means, BJ. How would I enact this advice? I don't know. Well, while, while we ponder that advice and maybe find an egg to you know dunk it under uh, over the course of the next week, y'all, I'm looking forward to it. Bye, guys. Yeah. <laughs>